0: Celebrity, let your weary mind be free, and someone kind of famous who you can't see. It's time for Sleeping with Celebrity. Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. As you may know, on this audio program, we invite our guests to join us and step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, we don't want them to bring their A game, but rather their Z game. It is a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Frank Conniff. He's going to talk with me about life as a fast food worker and consumer. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyhead's Are you a fan of video games? If so, you may want to check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. And apparently, we are living in an exciting time for new games. From Diablo to Final Fantasy, from Starfield to Street Fighter, and of course, Zelda. Because there's never a bad time to talk about Zelda Currently, a great time in this particular industry. So, if you want to learn about new games or want the latest gaming news, the hosts Kirk Hamilton, Maddie Myers, and Jason Schreier have you covered. Subscribe to Triple Click on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, for our guest. Frank Conniff. Frank began his show business career writing on and appearing in the Peabody Award-winning program Mystery Science Theater 3000, or MST3K, if you're in a hurry. Frank played the character TV's Frank on the show. He's written for lots of other TV shows and has appeared on them as well. But Frank doesn't limit his talents to just one platform or medium. He is also a comedian, author, and podcaster. In fact, after you wake up tomorrow and had some breakfast, you may want to check out his podcast, Podhouse 90, a scripted anthology series of original radio plays that he wrote and directed. I could keep talking about Frank's storied career indefinitely, but I shan't, because Frank is right here, and I'd much rather talk to him than about him. Frank Conniff, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I'd like to start these conversations with a question or two about sleep itself. Do you recall the best night of sleep you ever had?
1: Um, I, uh, well, I, it's hard to say cause I was, I was, I would have been sleeping when it happened. Um, sure. It probably happened, um, back in my drinking days. Um, mm. I think I, I, sometimes, you know, I've, I've, I've had insomnia throughout my life, um, which, which I don't mind actually. I don't mind having insomnia. The cure for insomnia is to just be okay with not going to sleep and being up all night but um, so I think in in my drinking days you know I had outside influences that really helped me become unconscious for long periods of time so um, so that would have been the period of my life when I had the best best nights of sleep
0: ever. you know something I've told my children when they couldn't sleep is you don't have to sleep you can just lie there and rest and that often uh, takes the pressure off the the yes. need to sleep, and then they fall asleep.
1: It's it, it, that's exactly it, and and in those um, times in my life when I have to get up in the morning, which fortunately for me are, are, are get rarer and rarer all the time. But mm-hmm. I have had those periods in my life where I have where I've had to get up. Um, that's when. That's when I really can't sleep because I'm so stressed about getting some sleep.
0: You, you say that you have had insomnia and mm-hmm. you try not to worry about it too much. Um, right. So when you can't sleep, do you, do you get up and go for a walk or do you just lie no, there and in, stare at
1: the um, walls? Uh, I don't usually go for a walk in the middle of the night, but that actually sounds like that it might be kind of great to do that, but I know not is, is I, I'll, I'll read and, and I'll watch um, MeTV, I'll watch reruns of Mannix, Canon, uh, Barnaby Jones in the middle of the night, and if I'm still up at 5.30, I'll watch Dragnet, and um, Barnaby Jones can kind of really help with the sleep because he, he, he looks like he needs sleep, as he's investigating cases.
0: That was Buddy Ebsen, right?
1: Yes, Buddy Ebsen, in his post-Beverly
0: Hillbillies career. Mm, Okay. When you do sleep, do you tend to sleep in the same position every night?
1: I think I do, although I I had a very long period um, a, a few years ago when I was recovering from quadruple bypass surgery and when I was back in my apartment, where where I literally for I think a year at least a year I, I slept on my like um, lazy boy reclining chair uh, in the living room, because it it just uh, seemed uh, convenient and 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 making it all the way to the, uh, to the bedroom was a bit arduous. So, uh, so and I never thought that I could sleep that way with like just sleeping on my back and, and not even completely horizontal, just leaning back in a comfortable chair. So that kind of really broke up my, uh, my sleeping habits. And, and so now it's, I think I, I sleep pretty traditionally in terms of my life of on my side, but uh, I realized <clears throat> in that period that I can really uh, push the envelope when it comes to, to ways to be asleep.
0: Mm. I would imagine in a recliner, it's easier to watch Mannix also.
1: It is. It is easier. Um, and I think um, that was part of it, is in that whole period of, of recovery in my home, I, I, I didn't leave that position. Uh, very often, so yeah, it was just much more convenient for me on that recliner, and and um, so now if sometimes if it's if it's too hot in the bedroom or I'm not comfortable there, I, I can go out in the living room and, and fall to sleep on the recliner, <clears throat> uh, no problem.
0: Hmm. Um, w- when we corresponded with you before before this appearance, you brought up the idea of talking about fast food, your mm-hmm. life as a consumer and as an employee. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the employment uh, mm-hmm. time. When when were you an employee of a fast food establishment?
1: Well, my very first after-school job when I was 16 was was at a McDonald's on <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> I was... Profoundly incompetent at the job, and um, people sent back a fish fillet. I remember that I prepared and did all the wrong things. I can't tell you specifically did I not put the tartar sauce on right, where there was the lettuce not except, but it was it was all wrong, and I, I I couldn't deny it, and I was fired from that job pretty quickly. Hmm. So you would think that would be the end of my fast food. Career But you'd be wrong to assume that, because later on in life, after I had been after I had moved to Minnesota around 1985, and I was like 29 years old, and um, I went to Minnesota because I, I, I was living where I grew up, New York, and I was actually asked to leave the state because of my drug and alcohol abuse. Oh. I was sent to uh rehab in uh Minnesota and I spent a month in a in a rehab place in in St. Paul. And then I uh spent 3 months after that in a halfway house in Minneapolis. And and part of the deal of the of of being in the halfway house was you had to get a job while you were there, you know. And so I um I went out and I had I had no qualifications for any kind of substantial job, you know, and working in fast food was kind of was kind of basically the only option I had in terms of my uh skill set. So I went and I applied, I remember on Lake Street in Minneapolis I applied at a few places. I do remember that I was rejected by White Castle, which which, you know, would have been a shame I carried around with me the rest of my life. But then very soon after that, I applied at Arby's on Lake Street and, uh, and I was hired. And so I had a uh, a shift of like six till 10 in the morning and I worked the breakfast shift. And, and I think, no, actually it wasn't till 10. It was, I think, till no- till noon or one because I worked the lunch shift. It was like a full-time shift. And uh, so I worked there, and um, and 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 I did okay, you know. And um, it kind of gave me a sense of, uh, of accomplishment. And I'm not saying that glibly because it was a period in my life when I, I needed to find out that I was able to to do things, you to know. To function, sure. To function exactly, and um, and so I worked at uh, uh, worked at Arby's. And the people who, who worked there were very nice, and they were very nice to me, but um, I, I was from New York. And because I was from New York, they just assumed that, that I would be rude to the customers. So I, they wouldn't let me work the counter <clears throat> ever. I was, I was always in the, uh, in the kitchen in the back where nice Minnesota people would not be exposed to this guy from New York who I think they, they thought we could just explode at any moment and become an aggressive, rude New Yorker. Now, a- anybody who knows me will tell you I don't, even though I, I was born and raised in Manhattan, I, I, I don't exactly give off that kind of stereotypical New York vibe, you know. I mean, You
0: don't say I'm walking here as you slam I, I, your hands I on don't. taxis.
1: And and when I uh, when I moved to LA uh, from Minnesota, like several years later, and a lot of the people I hung out with were Minnesota comedians. Like everybody, just in LA, just thought I was from uh, Minnesota. And and mm. I, and and I think a, a a more laid back Minnesota vibe came easily to me. I'm you know I'm not I'm not that kind of aggressive New Yorker type. But just the very fact that I was from New York was enough for them to worry that I was gonna alienate every customer that came in. But one one time, being from New York kind of worked to my advantage, or, to, or and I wouldn't say to my advantage, but to the advantage of the management of Arby's because a, a homeless guy wandered into the, the place one day, and he just went into the bathroom and, and just stayed in there and, and had been in there for a really long time. And, and the, other, the other workers at Arby's were really worried about it and, and didn't know what to do. And so they turned to me being the, you know, the street smart guy from New York, which they assumed I was, which anyone who knows me would probably not think of me that way, but they did and asked me what to do about this. And so I went to the bathroom, and the, the homeless guy was, was, was in there, and, and I, I said, hey, man, you, you just can't stay here. You have to leave. Uh, I'm sorry. And then he, 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 he left immediately, and, and then I was a hero to, to all the other Arby's employees. They suddenly found the um, virtue in having such a tough Guy from the mean streets of the Upper East Side of Manhattan, as myself uh, working there.
0: Were there any rude and difficult Minnesota co workers, or were they passive aggressive and side in an especially brutal way?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember that. I, I just remember them being nice. And, you know, Minnesota nice is a real thing in my experience. So I, I don't think. I, I I didn't really have any kind of conflicts um, with any of them, you know. When you were until work- I until until I left, until I left the job, then I thought then they all thought I was being too big for my britches.
0: You know? Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Was there a was roast beef a breakfast food at Arby's? Mm,
1: not. No, it was more of a traditional. I think uh, more of like a McDonald's esque breakfast. Okay, of breakfast like, sandwiches, um, egg, egg sandwiches, and, yeah. and um, the uh, potato cakes, which, which were good, I think, and and also they had a thing called um, toast sticks, which was like French toast but in the form of breadsticks. That mm. that was that, that people liked, but I did once you know once ten thirty rolled around, then it was all about the the beef and cheddar sandwiches and the. Um, and the um, curly fries and the great, as far as I'm concerned, the great, the one great item on the Arby's menu, which is their uh, Jamocha shake. Jamocha shake. Which is a chocolate coffee kind of shake, which I, I have very fond memories of from my uh, pre-type 2 diabetes days.
0: What, uh, why did you leave Arby's?
1: Well, actually...
0: And may we contact them for references.
1: <laughs> well, that was, you know, one of the uh, great things about moving to, uh, to Minneapolis. Because like I, I told you, I was sent there for rehab from New York. And once my, um, my stay at the halfway house was up, I, I had the option I could have gone back to New York. But... I, I actually liked Minneapolis, and I liked being there, and I liked hanging out with people, and 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 I liked that there was none of the old places in, in New York. There was no place they had gotten in trouble in Minnesota, which was a which was a big point on its behalf. So so I stayed in in Minnesota, and and while I continued working at Arby's, I I started hitting the open mics. At the comedy clubs there, the comedy gallery, the haha ha club you know, all the there was like an incredible as as I think you probably know there was a there was a great comedy scene in yes in, in, the, in the twin Cities back then and and I just got into it and became a part of it and then I started getting some gigs uh, and uh and this was kind of uh, kind of a good thing because i I was making very little money from stand-up, but it was on par with what I was making at Arby's, you know. Mm. So in other words, I started making more or less a minimum wage level of uh, earnings, you know, emceeing stand-up shows, doing one-nighters, you know, out-of-town uh, you know, in northern Minnesota and in in you know Bemidji and places like that, and uh, so 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 I, I was making what I was making at Arby's and and I you know and I and then I was like Mr. Big Shot. I'm like I don't need to work at Arby's anymore. I can I can a make minimum now.
0: wage doing something and, else.
1: Yes, and because my standard of living was so low, I became a professional comedian uh, right then and there.
0: Did you have a lot of jokes about Jamoka shakes or horsey sauce or other Arby's? I,
1: I think I did. I I, I, <clears throat> I talked about working at Arby's. It was kind of my hook. Oh, no, I don't know if that's the case, but yeah, I talked about things for my life. So um, so working at Arby's was um, was certainly, and I and I've kept I've kept talking about working at Arby's ever since. In one way or the other, I I look at Arby's as as the comedy fast food reference, you know, other comedians might feel differently. But when I want to go to a fast food reference for comedic effect, Arby's is is the one that I always go to, and and it's not just because I work there. I think it's I think it's the funniest fast food place in terms of using it as a reference. The example I'll give is on an episode of The Simpsons when they did a uh, Lord, of the, uh, Lord of the Flies parody where they were all, all the kids, their bus had crashed and all the kids were stranded on, a, on an island and one of the twin girls goes, I'm so hungry I could eat at Arby's, you know. It's just, I think, it's, I think Arby's is great for comedy and, and um, so, so I've taken that with me.
0: Did you return to Arby's after you had left and slapped down a five dollar bill and <laughs> s- try to impress people? I
1: didn't. I, I did come back, but it wasn't to do that. And 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 I think I I, I came back to get my final paycheck. And I think uh-huh. that's why I have a feeling that they that they resented that I had left Arby's because uh, I went in and. Um, to get my final paycheck and they were like, no, you have to turn in your uniform, uh, which I didn't know. So then I had to go back home and then get my uniform. And I guess I could have just kept the uniform and worn it, but I didn't really, you know, if I'd really wanted to make Arby's a part of my standup act, I, I could have just worn the uniform on stage and that could have been my character, but I, but I didn't go in that direction creatively in my standup. So I came back, and um, and I had to bring back. So they were a little a little hard assed about, you know, you're not getting your paycheck till you return your uniform, and then we've got to make sure it's all okay. And uh, and speaking of my uniform, too. When I first started working there, they um, like I was responsible for providing the shoes that I would wear, and I think all I had then were sneakers, and that sounds pretty accurate to me because. Because now all I have are sneakers. I don't really have any dress shoes. I just have sneakers.
0: Nothing much has changed. Do you remember any of your specific open mic jokes about Arby's that you would tell? Well, sleepyheads, I want to tell you about My Brother, My Brother, and Me. It's an advice show, a podcast hosted by the McElroy brothers, Justin, Travis, and Griffin. You know, I recently spoke with Maximum Fun founder Jesse Thorne, who used to be embarrassed to have this show on the network. Jesse found it to be, quote, a depraved jumble of erection jokes and ghost humor, unquote, and with very little actionable advice. Jesse has since had a change of heart and now maintains that the show has gotten, quote, kind of good, unquote. The brothers no longer say bazinga anymore, and the humor is more refined. Plus, Justin McElroy was one of my very first guests on this program, and we had a delightful conversation about planning a Disneyland vacation. For these reasons, I'm going to start listening to My Brother, My Brother, and Me, Myself, and you should too, every week, wherever you get podcasts. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any of your sp- specific open mic jokes about Arby's that you would tell?
1: Oh man, I, you know what? I I I'm sorry to say. Maybe I'm not so sorry to say that I I. Well, well, I will say I I I have talked about the fact that they they thought I was too rude to wait on the customers, and uh, and my rejoinder to that is. Well, you people are taking people's money and giving them RBs, so, so I don't think I can. Who's be, rude here? Yeah, who's <laughs> who's rude? Exactly. Actually, I've talked about this recently on stage because my my dad, I, I I talk about my dad and my my dad was a was a was a journalist, you know, in the in the 50, 40s, 50s, 60s, and very successful and and a Pulitzer Prize winner. So I I mention that in my act, and and then I say, well, okay, he want to pull a surprise, but, but, I don't feel intimidated by that because, guess what, I was Arby's employee of the month. So, oh, yeah. and then I I immediately tell the audience that that's a load of crap because they never would have made me employee of the month. <laughs> I was not nearly a good enough worker to get any kind of accolade like that.
0: You were an employee during a month, but that's I, a different thing. <laughs>
1: Exactly, if they had employee during a month awards i would have I would have totally qualified for that
0: when my first job out of high school was at a jack in the box, and uh, i I really wanted to work the registers, so I pointed out that. I had a lot of high school theater experience uh-huh. and, and was an a- aspiring actor. And they said, well, what does that have to do with it? And I said, I can act like I'm really enjoying working at Jack and Fox. <laughs> and I so bet they, they love that. They, they 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 let me begrudgingly do that. Uh-huh. Um, well,
1: that's the thing, too, is another interesting thing about, about working at Arby's um, is that Like I told you, I started doing stand-up comedy at night and I had to be at work at 6 in the morning. So I actually had a, a, I should have mentioned this when you were talking about sleeping because this was a very um, interesting sleeping schedule that I had back then is that I was still, I refused to let having to work at 6 a.m. stop me from being the night owl that I've always been. Hmm. So... I would come home from a gig, and uh, you know, I would I would sleep from two a.m. till five a.m. and then I'd go into Arby's, and then I'd take a nap from like two in the afternoon till five in the afternoon, and then I'd go out at night and do comedy, and and, and that actually worked uh, worked really well for me. Did and I didn't. I also I didn't tell. I didn't tell people, at Arby's that I was doing comedy. Um, mm. And and at one point, because I you know I was I was pretty funny on the jo- I was cracking jokes and stuff and and one of my coworkers said uh, hey you know what you should go to one of those those uh, comedy clubs and 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 do comedy and and I had already started doing that but I did not tell them I, it mortified me the idea of them seeing me in my other life
0: oh okay when you. When you was this your final fast food employment experience was Arby's?
1: I'm very uh, happy to say that it was all right and it was it was actually kind of the life of sobriety like kind of giving taking me closer to the life that I wanted to live and the career that I wanted to have because. I I turned I turned thirty uh, in August of nineteen eighty six, and I think it was almost like right around that time was was when I quit Arby's and so so even though my youth, uh, my twenties were incredibly misspent and wasted and thrown away, I am grateful that from the age of thirty on I never had to work another, you know menial. Type of job like that again. I, I always have either made a living in show business or sort of made a living in show business ever since. So that was that was a very um, lucky, very positive thing.
0: Did it curtail your interest in eating fast food in general or Arby's in particular?
1: As you might have suspected from my earlier. Uh, mentioning of my quadruple bypass surgery, it did not diminish my fast food intake. And I never, I didn't really uh, eat at Arby's that much ever again, although I, um, I would every now and then go in for one of those Jamocha shakes. And um, when I was touring with Cinematic Titanic, which was a live version of Mystery Science Theater, uh, we were in Reno uh, in a casino and um, and they actually had a, t- a twenty four hour Arby's there, and I wow. think that's and that it was like <clears throat> I think that was the last time I ate at Arby's, which was like maybe fifteen years ago or something like that. But I did remain devoted to um, eating fast food. Some of it having to do with you know, for for a period of time, I wasn't making a lot of money, and it was um, I couldn't afford to go to fancy restaurants, so um, so I kept eating at fast food places, and I, uh, you know, and L.A., when I moved to L.A., which was around 95, you know, L.A. is a big fast food town. Every town is a big fast food town, but L.A., it's just... in and out Burger. um, Yeah, in and out Burger, exactly, which I haven't had since my bypass surgery. That's the thing is is I have had a, a big life of fast food eating, but since then, this is merely just a, a memory uh, for me, because I've had to curtail eating at In-N-Out Burgers, which um, which I love, and they don't have they don't have them here in New York, but uh, we do have Shake Shack here, which I think is just about as good in terms of the hamburgers. Uh, the French fries at Shake Shack are are a disgrace, but the hamburgers are really good, and Five Guys. <clears throat> which I know, since I was in Minnesota recently, I know they have those there. Yeah,
0: they have the Five Guys,
1: <clears throat> which are really good. And, and <clears throat> but the but I can't go near a Five Guys now because I don't know if you've been there, but they they're not stingy with the French fries. And mm. uh, they give you a, gi- a gigantic order of French fries, no matter what. I don't. I think even if you don't ask for one, they give you like a huge amount of French fries and they're really salty. And when I was living in the village here in New York, there was there was a Five Guys right across the street from me. And I think that was a major contributing factor to the health issues that I had to deal with.
0: When was the quadruple bypass?
1: That would have been, that was before the pandemic. So That would have been like 2018 or something like that, I think. All right. uh, four or five years
0: ago. Okay. Have you been, have you stopped entirely going to fast food restaurants since then?
1: Almost entirely. I, I do, I have it in my mind that I'm allowed to go every now and then, but but mostly I don't. And I have, I have a lot of stuff in my neighborhood that I walk past. Uh, Popeye's fried chicken, which which mm. I love. is one just a few blocks from me. Um, I've never gone there. Which is probably one of the reasons I get good reports when I go to my doc my cardiologist for a checkup there's a There's a chick-fil-A right down the street from there, and um i I do enjoy their homophobic chicken sandwiches, but I don't go there and there's taco bells all over the place and and, and I used to when I lived in l a taco bell was 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 my go to like driving home from a stand up show sure. Um, there, there was a drive-through on Ventura Boulevard, right next to, um, actually, right next to an In-N-Out Burger that I also went to quite often. And um, my ritual after a show was to um, go to Taco Bell, get their uh, cheesy potato burrito, which, which, which I loved. Um, and then park on Ventura and just eat it in my car while while listening to BBC News on NPR because it was always like at eleven o'clock, which was the time they always played the BBC News. So that right. was I was stuffing my colon while also stuffing my head with information.
0: What kind of car were you driving?
1: I was driving a a Toyota. Avalon convertible, which was an awesome car that I love. I don't have it anymore. Once once I left L.A., the need for for cars left me. Once I got back to New York,
0: are there some cars that are particularly well suited for drive-through food more than others?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. I I think you know what I you know I think. Uh, and I would never get one, but I think an SUV would be good for, for drive-throughs, right? Because they're kind of up high, and you're kind of right there in the eye line of a person in the um, in the fast food window. And um, so, uh, my guess is that those would be. But I never thought about <clears throat> that. Was not a factor when I bought my car. Maybe yeah. it should have been. A, I wonder if anybody ever thinks that. When mm. they're buying a car, is this ideal for drive-throughs? And uh, you know, I I think that's as good a, a a factor in deciding to buy a car as any anything else.
0: I would think a convertible would be well suited because then you don't have to worry about getting it through the the window hole. Yeah, you could just um, sort of lift your arms up and receive it.
1: Yeah. I think you must be right because i don't remember any major drive through window mishaps um, mm. from the days when I was going through uh drive through windows um, that's actually um here in New York the last time I ate at McDonald's would have been about ten years ago in New York and I was working at i was working on the with John Fugelsang at current t v the late and Current TV, no longer with us. You could say that about a lot of the companies side work yeah. for, no longer with us. A lot of us.
0: media in general.
1: Yeah. Yes, a lot of media in general. And um, there was a McDonald's drive-through uh, right next to, uh, and this and this is this was located on the very far west side of Manhattan, right before you go into the tunnel to go to Jersey. And um, I thought it was interesting that there was this. I'd never seen another drive through and I'm sure there are, but, but I hadn't seen, it's not a common thing that you see. And it felt, it felt to me like you're at the edge of Manhattan. You're about to enter New Jersey and New Jersey is, is starting up now. We're giving you a little taste of New Jersey before you leave
0: Manhattan. It's like an embassy.
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. It's kind of, so you don't, be, you're not overwhelmed by New Jersey once you get there. It's you've right. already had a little bit of it with a fat with a uh, drive-through uh, restaurant. And actually, when I went to uh, that McDonald's, I didn't get the great McDonald's food that I wanted to get. It they had like a chicken wrap sandwich or something mm-hmm. like that. That was actually relatively healthy, you know. So. That's a depressing memory for me that I that I got a healthy sandwich at McDonald's.
0: <laughs> you did something wrong there. Yeah. Do you think of New York fast food in the same way as the the national brands? I'm thinking about uh, a hot dog cart or the 99 cent pizza place. Are they in the same category or is that different?
1: I don't I don't know how different it is. Hot it's it's funny you mention hot dog carts because when I was a kid, when I was younger living in New York, I used to love getting hot dogs from those carts and and I would get like two hot dogs with like mustard, sauerkraut onions and, mm. and, a, and a potato caniche, and I just loved it and, 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 and I really like hot dogs, and that's another thing. Even before my heart attack, I stayed away from hot dogs but but they're all over the place um, in New York. But but I don't know how how it it differentiates itself from the rest of the country because now in New York there's not only the hot dog uh, stands but there's also food trucks everywhere which I know like are there those are a big part of every city yeah. you know you can get tacos and <clears throat> and I think you know my my age is like um, you know I, I I I have of course frequented. Uh, food trucks but I, I didn't come of age with food trucks is what i'm saying right when i was younger like they weren't anything like the thing that they are uh, today but it's funny though because i um there was a um, a taco truck right in front of when i lived on uh in the village on sheridan square and uh 7th avenue There was a food truck right in front of it. Uh, It was like there till 4 in the morning, you know, from like 6 at night till 4 in the morning. It was like so convenient. It was right, literally right in front of my building. And it's funny the rationalizations that you make about eating food, that that your main motivation for eating it is convenience. Mm -hmm. Because I, I remember actually having the thought when I was deciding whether to <clears throat> order food from this food truck again i ha- i rationalized it in my mind and i actually said to myself well i don't get diarrhea every time i eat here <laughs> so and, and then i i i so i got a burrito and then i i got diarrhea and that was actually the last time
0: in the Twin Cities now, it seems like it's mostly Mexican food, food trucks. That, that
1: Yeah, that seems, to, that seems to um, really lend itself to the, to the food truck genre. They're all, all over the place. I was in uh, Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn the other night. Uh, there were all kinds of uh, gigantic Mexican
0: fast food trucks. I mm. wonder why that is.
1: I don't know, but like I said, it's like the trucks are. That's like, I don't know, like a post-post millennial thing, a Gen Z thing. It's it's not. I'm a boomer. They're not a food trucks are not a boomer thing. Even though we boomers certainly are welcome to eat at them, and, and I do sometimes. But I think a lot of them are in the category of food that I really should try to not eat, as delicious as it might be.
0: It seems like Frank, you're just as fond of fast food as you always were. It's just yes. that now you don't eat it, but the yes. the fondness remains.
1: It is, and it's it's kind of like uh, drugs are the same way. I do have a fondness for for alcohol and drugs, and I haven't gone near them for uh, it's almost thirty eight years now. Congratulations, uh, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, I do have a fondness, and 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 and, and I think I think all of, I think a lot of us associate fast food with pleasure. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid growing up, I had you know my parents had medical problems. My father was very sick for a lot of my childhood, and my mother had mental health issues. So preparing dinner was not always something that 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 could happen, and. When we'd order out from McDonald's instead of having a home cooked dinner, it was it was joyful when that happened. We, we were thrilled to have McDonald's. And and I think that's a part of it. And McDonald's I think is a big part where McDonalds caught us all very young. You know, they had a clown, they mm. you know, they they, they 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 had playgrounds outside. They really just got us hooked really young and um and so I've always associated, uh, I mean, of course, I associate food in general with pleasure. To this day, I still do. But but fast food, like, I think there's something, it, it still feels kind of special to me, even though, like, I I steer clear.
0: What did your dad win the Pulitzer for?
1: For uh, working at Arby's, actually. No, really? he didn't. That's amazing. Yes. That was in the 50s. They gave out Pulitzers for that. <laughs> He won for Best International Reporting in 1956 for a series of interviews with uh, Khrushchev.
0: Wow. Yeah. And then you won the Peabody.
1: <laughs> well, I was <clears throat> part of a very <laughs> large group of people that won the Peabody, but it's, I, 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 I dine out on that all the time. Anyway, speaking of fast food, I dine out on my Peabody. <laughs>
0: Frequently. <laughs> For our purposes you won the Peabody. That's we're yes. we're we're sticking with uh, that. Do you there are several I guess they're fast food places now but that appear to be healthier. There are yes. there are salad chains mm-hmm. and uh do you frequent those?
1: I don't I don't because I mean I still to this day, even though when I you know, where I'm I'm Part of an agenda for me to prolong my life is to eat healthy. Mm. Um, I, I've never liked salads, and uh, I still don't like them. I'll, I'll eat vegetables. I, I eat a lot of vegetables every day, but salads, I'm not into. There's there's a chain here in New York, probably in other parts of the country, called Just Salad. Mm. I saw that sign one time, and and I, I, I felt like the origin of that Chain was a bunch of people got around, and what can we name this place that will ensure that nobody will ever run into Frank Conneth here? And so they came <laughs> up with just salad. Just salad.
0: So just salad colon stay away, Frank.
1: <laughs> well, they didn't have to put the stay away. Just the just salad. <laughs> just
0: people. salad does the job.
1: That does the job, uh, incredibly effectively
0: to keep the yeah. away. Were there were there comedians or comedy people? that uh in Minnesota or in Los Angeles that you particularly enjoyed having fast food with we're we're just placing you in particular eras here in our mind.
1: Oh, oh absolutely. You know, all of my um and being on the road, like when we were touring with Cinematic Titanic, uh, you know, and, and now I tour with Traceful You and um and and the eating element of touring is is such a gigantic part of it. Talking about where we're going to eat then eating, then talking about where we ate, talking (laughs) about the meals that we had while we're having the next meal. Uh, J Elvis, uh, Weinstein, who was, uh, who who was a Minnesota comedian and now he's a, uh, Los Angeles, uh, comedian and, and writer and filmmaker and musician, but he, um, he and I have a constant conflict that goes on every time we go out to eat because when we order French fries, he always wants them well done, and and I like I like French fries that are thick and potatoy, like mm. on the softer side, mm-hmm. and he always asks the wait the wait person, um, "Can I have my French fries well done?" As if they're going to make they're going to cook up two different batches of french fries it really kind of drives me crazy mm. but yeah and you know actually one of the um one thing i've discovered one of the joys of being a comedian of being in show business maybe the highlight of the whole thing is is going out to eat with the other comics and the other performers and sitting around the table and eating and it, it's just the it's just the, the greatest thing in the world in la you go, uh, I go out with, with ja, Jay Elvis and, and like Andy Kindler and uh, Joe Keys is a friend of mine, a comedian friend of mine. I've had a million meals with it's, it's just kind of um, in a way, everything kind of centers around it. Every, every, in a way, everything is just, let's do this show. Let's, let's work on this thing and get it done so that we can go out and eat and hang out and, 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 tell jokes and and rag on people and, 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 and have a blast, you
0: know. Have you ever had Andy Kindler make you a cup of coffee?
1: No, I never have. It's, an, I'm not, a am not it's a, a whole thing.
0: <laughs> he was, he was a guest on this program and, uh, uh, on an episode entitled Andy Kindler makes one cup of coffee. <laughs> it could fill up an entire hour.
1: I'm sure he can. I'm not. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I. You know what? If you asked me to make you a cup of coffee, I. I wouldn't know
0: how to. You do wouldn't it, know actually. where to start. Yeah.
1: Yes, I wouldn't.
0: Uh, was there a lot of joke punching up going on at those restaurants with those communities?
1: Sometimes, although it's you know that would be um, more of a a working environment. Um, mm. the, you know, the punching. A lot of the punching up takes place in in buildings around conference tables right and when you go out to eat with other comedians and other writers other actors it's it's there's a lot of incredibly funny jokes that are said but it's all just spontaneous in the moment stuff
0: well frank conniff thank you for walking us through your fast food experiences and letting us know where you stood in the arby's hierarchy it's informative. <laughs> And uh, and we appreciate you your insight. And Frank Conniff, good night.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about Frank Conniff, his fast food career, and his diet restrictions as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways for my conversation with Frank right now. while it's fresh in my mind. One, if you have trouble sleeping, try watching Barnaby Jones. Two, you can be rejected by White Castle and still win a Peabody Award. Three, The French fries at Shake Shack are a disgrace, according to Frank. But if Shake Shack wants to sponsor our show, I will go to the mat for those fries. 4. J. Elvis Weinstein notoriously prefers his French fries well done. And lastly, it's time to take stock of your life decisions, When you have the thought, well, I don't always get diarrhea when I eat here. Uh, Okay, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and my guest, Frank TV's Frank Conniff. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok with the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at SleepW Celebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at MaximumFun.org. Music is provided by The Winter Bowers. The show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. This is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe.